0: and welcome to the Vote Her Podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Mara Davis, media maven, political enthusiast, dog lover, and big talker.
1: Ooh, I'm a big talker, too. This is uh, Jen Jordan, former state senator and soon to be uh, the mother of a high school graduate who has senioritis like I have never seen, but we are... So incredibly happy, if not a little weepy every day as we head to May 20th.
0: I remember senioritis. Gosh, and you know, okay. full disclosure, I was at a party over at Jen's and I saw all those seniors and it just and I have a rising senior and it's just like, oh, my God, the time goes by so fast.
1: Well, the worst is kind of the the style right now for, for the guys. And I've got a little dude, so his hair is all grown out and (laughs) I keep telling him to get a haircut and by grown out, I mean like on top. So it, I mean, he looks like one of the Muppets, right? Like the hair is all crazy. And I said to him the other day, I said, you got to get a haircut. And, And this young woman, who's very nice, who he is, um, enamored with he said well she told me that the length was just fine so basically i could pound sand well and there you like, go
0: mom you can't there you go that. that's right? it. That's there you it. go well listen it's a perfect time for us to bring this topic up because we are very passionate about our kids and we are moms and that's part of what the voter podcast is is you know an easy approach to politics uh, and then moms that are, that are in it. And over the past couple of weeks, I mean, just in one week alone, we had a uh terrorizing situation in Atlanta with a shooting, and then, of course, Texas. And uh, there, there are just so many incidents where it is top of mind, uh sensible gun control, and a lot of moms are trying to come together to take action. But it in so many ways, Jen, it feels kind of hollow. It's like, what can we do, um, and where are we going with all of this?
1: Well, I know that nationally there's a group, as you know, Moms Demand Action. That is a really great group. And I know on the ground, great women, um, some of which have run for office and won, including um, Representative Ann Allen Westbrook out of um, Savannah. And, um, you know, she was basically you know, one of the moms who got really frustrated about the inaction. And of course, as we know, in Savannah, there was a a really significant spike in gun violence. And and there still is a a pretty, you know, high rate of gun violence down there. And And it's exasperating even to say it, right? Like, I feel like I keep saying this over and over. But, you know, we were talking offline a while ago. You know, the moms were really, I think, part of how I got Elected initially and flipped the Republican Senate seat to a Democratic one um, up here in kind of North at, the North Atlanta area, and um, and they were really pushing for a long time and and had great momentum, but then you know COVID happened mm. and um, everybody was just trying to survive, and of course because we didn't have school, there weren't any school shootings, so I think I, I think folks got kind of complacent thinking that maybe you know we were in a different place but but clearly we're not
0: we're not i mean i think a lot of that activism started after parkland because that was just oh yeah so yeah. real like i remember you know there was the march for your life uh in downtown atlanta that i attended and it was just so moving and i think you're absolutely right jen but i feel like the movement is bubbling up again because i th- i know so many moms Look, when you're when you hear sirens or, or like I went where when all of that was going down in Atlanta, uh, Terry was tweeting out like what she was getting from her kids school. I mean, and this is just our new reality. So I think the fear we have to turn into activism and we have to find ways to hold our leaders accountable. But can we get there is the question.
1: Well, and I think what the moms nationally figured out is that it really is about numbers, right? And so, and I know that you, um, I mean, even locally, we have groups kind of coming together, right? Mm -hmm. Yes,
0: yes. There's the Georgia Moms for Change is one of the newer groups, but there are quite a few that are popping up. And I'm hearing that there is going to be some sort of rally on May 13th in Piedmont Park. So I think it'll be interesting to see if there is strength in numbers.
1: Yeah, well, look, we I don't think we have another option. Um, and I would, you know, tell folks to listen to this great podcast that um, was produced by Lisa Hagan, um, you know, NPR local. And it, it won a Pulitzer, didn't it? It, it did. won some kind of recognition. It did. It it's- is a, It is amazing. But it's called No Compromise, and basically what she covers is a segment of the um, the pro-Second Amendment kind of um, groups. There's this groups, these groups of folks who say no compromise, and really that's aimed toward Republicans saying, you know, you can't give anything. You can't be rational. You can't be reasonable. You can't even support, you know, safe storage laws. It's no compromise or we'll come after you. And, and to be quite frank, it, it almost feels like there has to be another group um, that is just as, right, aggressive um, in making it clear that the safety of our children has to come first.
0: And so that's called No Compromise with Lisa Hagen and Chris Haxel. And by the way, uh, your friend Jen Jordan makes an appearance on that podcast in episode six. And it is really a powerful listen. Actually, when we first started this podcast, Jen, we talked to Lisa about it. and right. it just fe- That's how long ago it's been. <laughs> it's crazy. And you were featured on that. Can you talk about a little bit why she called you? Because you had introduced a bill. With domestic abuse survivors, and that didn't yeah go so well. So basically,
1: you. all it all it was was a bill that you know put Georgia state law in line with federal law that already says if you're convicted of domestic abuse, a, a misdemeanor, um, you can't get a gun, right? Which makes sense if you can't not harm the people you love. Um, and you're an abuser, then no, you probably shouldn't have a gun. I mean, this makes complete sense. And, oh, by the way, it's already federal law. So, you know, I was thinking how this this should be a gimme. And it was also a huge um, bill that certain members of law enforcement were pushing because um, domestic abuse calls are are some of the most dangerous ones for them. So here I'm thinking, you know, we've got mothers, we've got you know, domestic abuse survivors, including children and, and women. And, um, you know, the, and oh, yeah, it's already law. This should be this should be an easy one that we can all come together on, because that's always what I'm looking for. Right. The, the areas where we can agree. And we were able to get it out of Senate Judiciary, got it voted out and people who are considered incredibly pro Second Amendment Republicans voted to get it out. And I remember one senator saying, "Well, it was either you vote for um, the criminals and abusers, or you vote for the victims." I mean, it's a pretty simple, pretty you know, simple vote, right? Yes. You would think. Yeah. But then this group um, came out and basically just started attacking the Republicans on social media and sent out emails to their membership all over the state, and they were re- misrepresenting their vote. And basically, all the Republicans who had supported it said, we're not moving this. It's done. And it was at that point that I was like, this this is more than just kind of, um, you know, I'm really... I'm in favor of gun rights. Like, there was something a lot more sinister going on with these guys. And, um, you know, it's a great listen because Lisa actually started to delve into these groups and their connections. And I remember in that podcast so long ago, I think she said to us something to the effect of – if you if you've been following these gun groups what happened on january 6 shouldn't surprise you right
0: absolutely right that's that's absolutely right and i think it's important to educate yourself on this stuff because a lot of people think it's NRA and that they're controlling a lot of it. And certainly they definitely are a part of the problem. But I think the problem is much bigger because these gun groups, as they harassed you when you try to bring a common sense thing to the table, because we all know in a lot of these mass shootings, they are or can be domestic abusers. This should feel very simple. But these people, they, they just can't even go there. So. We need to keep talking about it, and you need to be active about it, because if you're voting for people who don't want common-sense gun laws, that's something that you really have to think about moving forward. Here we are in a state where anybody can have a gun anywhere at any time. It's kind of terrifying.
1: It is. I mean, and now having an 18-year-old, right, like, it's it's just crazy that— Anyway, it, it's crazy. I
0: mean, it's it's, it's yeah, and yeah. you know, there was a op-ed uh in the AJC that, you know, it was a big like front page of the Sunday paper where it says we don't have to live this way. How like, you know, you have to go through a metal detector at the uh, at the Georgia State Capitol.
1: Uh yeah, what's interesting is uh they make sure they protect themselves, but by god, you know, 2A all the way everywhere else and for for everyone else, I mean, it's like, you know, uh, for for thee, not for me. Yeah, and um, and it's it's pathetic. It really is pathetic, and and it is tiring. But there are new groups of women activists that are popping up because you know, look, moms, we keep making moms right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> some of, and, and some while, of them are forced into it. While my little baby it. boy is graduating, <laughs> yes. there are other little baby boys and little girls right behind them. And it was funny. I was at this graduation event the other day, and I actually had a mother come up to me and say, I've been meaning to talk to you and reach out to you. Um, now that my son has graduated, going after college, I really want to do something with my time that's meaningful with respect to um, you know, gun Safety activism and I was like, well, we're gonna need a lot more of you
0: Yeah, well, I hope that's the case, and and I really want to keep talking about it because I feel the same way. I feel like we have to put our activism to good use, and we are strength in numbers, and that's something we should all be able to agree on is keeping kids safe in school and keeping us safe. um, You you would think. Common sense gun laws. Okay, let's move on to um, another topic because there's a lot to talk about. I really want to get into the Supreme Court stuff. Um, The Georgia Connection is, of course— Clarence Thomas and Savannah and you are really, Jen, a Supreme Court enthusiast. I mean, you pretty much know the ins and outs. What do you make of it? there's been so much about Clarence Thomas who's been on the payroll of this Harlan Crow as a Republican billionaire who's been funding a bunch of uh, vacations and a grand a, a nephew's private school his mother's home in Savannah um and it, it, where it seems shady, it just – uh, some Republicans may argue that there's more heat you know, in the kitchen because uh, people are pissed that over, uh, Roe was overturned. So what do you – I know that's a lot of info, but tell me what you make of all of this. Look, I think probably
1: the scrutiny has really come to light because – Uh, you know, of Dobbs and 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 not just Dobbs, right? Like Dobbs is one of so many cases, including um, a gun case that came out of New York where the Supreme Court has just lost the plot. Excuse me. I mean, that's really kind of an extreme way (laughs) to put it. But, you know, kind of not following precedent, not going along the same lines of of years of cases, right, it, in so many different areas. And it it's one of those things where it does start to draw people's attention, like, what is going on? And, you know, when people start to look, I mean, usually, unfortunately, uh, with the Supreme Court, it looks like they're finding some stuff. And um, with Clarence Thomas, there seems to be a lot of smoke there. And I You know, I think Congress is imperative for them to look into it. And I think that I think the U.S. Senate is because this isn't okay, right? I mean, these folks get lifetime tenure so that they won't have to deal with right we're supposed to that that is supposed to actually keep them <laughs> from from being influenced right by lobbyists and money and all that so they don't have to run for reelection or they don't have to influence people to to reappoint them to a job it's supposed to make sure that they can make their decisions um, without fear or favor and then here we are right we we've, we've got Clarence Thomas who you know and his wife Jenny Who seems to have been living pretty high on the hog um, with some of some of his really good friends that just happen to be billionaires.
0: It's unbelievable. So ProPublica is the outlet that's been really exposing a lot of this. And there was one trip that they took where they talked about it was a $500,000 vacation or experience that they took. And look, um, you could definitely point to a lot of the justices who maybe didn't do things that are totally kosher. I mean, there are examples of that, but it seems Really, really egregious with Clarence Thomas, like it, it, like off the charts.
1: Well, and if there's nothing there, then you know sunshine is uh, the best disinfectant, right? Like, put all the information out there. I mean, if what ProPublica is saying isn't true, or if you know they are misreporting or or trying to make it look like something that it's not, then that's real easy to deal with. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I think, you know, usually ProPublica does a really good job of, you know, getting it right. I mean, people on the Republicans may not like what they're reporting, right, or like the subject of, of the reports. But at the end of the day, I don't think anyone's saying that it's not true.
0: Right. It's, it's 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 hard to watch people defend him. I think people just don't want to talk about it. Well, I mean, it feels, again, it feels like nothing can be done because they're just like, well, nothing to see here. Um, so I hope, uh, I feel like ProPublica's like, no, you didn't. We're going to keep going. I mean, paying for the well, mom's and look, house.
1: Well, and part of it is, I mean, also, it's almost like this curse of Georgia, right? Like, <laughs> right. what is
0: up? I know. It's like,
1: Every bad, awful story, thing, political, you know, whatever. I mean, it it all leads back to Georgia now. I mean, even the Supreme Court stuff, you know, (laughs) with Clarence Thomas. And I'm just kind of like, gosh, can't y'all guys just give us a break? I mean, there are 50 other states. There are territories. I mean, we just... We just need a rest from all of it.
0: It's so true. It's so true. So it is all in Georgia, and Georgia influences everything. And, of course, D.A. Fani Willis, I mean, that case is just like, you know, everybody's just, you know, that, now that she made an announcement. Now, I didn't ask you this last time because Terry was on last time. She made an announcement saying— uh, law enforcement, uh, be prepared, June 11th to September, whatever, something's going to happen. And a lot of people gave her scrutiny, like, why would you do that? Like, people thought that that was bad form. But I wondered, and I wonder if you wonder, that maybe, like, they're still working on some stuff. I have no inside
1: knowledge, but I, but I can tell you that I surmise it. there are probably two things going on. One, Get the heat off of them a little bit in terms of reporters asking every single day, every hour, is it coming? Is it coming? Is it coming? You know, um, it's imminent. It's imminent. What does imminent mean? I mean, we've heard the reporting. Number two, it really is about getting law enforcement all on the same page, right? Because I think what we saw, the good thing about what happened in New York with Alvin Bragg's. prosecution, you know, whatever, whatever anybody thinks about it, is that it really did bring to light, you know, the real issues of what is this going to look like when you indict um, a former president, right, in terms of safety and security and and law enforcement, really federal, state, local, is is really going to have to work together, not only for the safety of the former president, but the safety of, you know, the, the courthouse, the staff, you know, the, the prosecutors, the safety of the community. You know, if you have people coming from the outside trying to agitate, and my guess is, you know, all of these law enforcement agencies are listening, you know, to the chatter. They call it the chatter, um, you know, because they're always monitoring, and I, I do think that that they're hearing some stuff about what people plan to do um, if and when this happens. So I, I think she's just getting prepared so it gets the press off her case, right? It's to give them some breathing room and a chance to really get ready, right? Um, giving everybody kind of the flag, like, okay, this is this is when it's on, um, and. Then it also gives law enforcement the opportunity to really kind of get their stuff together, you know, to make sure that nothing bad does happen and to kind of plan um, in advance. And oh, guess what? July 11th just happens to be when the next grand jury um, gets called in to Fulton County.
0: Well, how about that? Well, and then it was just released today that David Schaefer, the uh, uh, the chair of the Georgia GOP, his lawyers are saying, he didn't break any laws. FYI, is this a case of we're just throwing everything up against the wall?
1: Look, all of it is, you have to remember that all of these letters, these missives to Fani, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things, they're really and this is this is just my interpretation i always like mm-hmm. to say this because mm-hmm. you know people do things for different reasons but i can tell you they know that these letters are going to be released to the press if they don't release them right mm-hmm. um you know or you know they'll call up their reporter friend and say hey send an open records act request and ask for this and so for them it is about really trying to put pressure on Fonnie in her office. And, And arguably, maybe a jury or a grand jury that will be there coming in on July 11th. Because guess what gets reported on, right? These letters that make all of their arguments and say, you know, none of this is right and it's completely above board and they were only doing what they thought they should do and they should get some kind of Citizen's Medal of Honor. I mean, and... Of course, Bonnie's office doesn't respond. So that's what that's what the news story is, right?
0: Right. Exactly. So
1: it isn't. It is not about communicating with Bonnie Willis. That is not what this is about. It really is a roundabout way to try to, you know, kind of go ahead and put their narrative out there so that maybe they can influence um, not only the grand jury, because of course the hope is no indictment, but mm-hmm. even apart from that. Ultimately, um, any trial jury that may be impaneled in the future to actually try, you know, a case, right, it's or a, any a P- a PR um, criminal campaign. charges,
0: a PR totally. campaign. Okay, okay, that's interesting. Um, talking about more Georgia lawmakers and crime. Uh, former Senate candidate Herschel Walker. Um, who basically nobody seems to know where he is anymore he's been hiding and maybe for good reason because the Daily Beast uh who's and by the way they broke all the Herschel Walker tea I mean they really had they had everything. I mean it was like it was like sweet tea at a barbecue restaurant <laughs> it was
1: all over the place and man the, like
0: they are not stopping so it says that when he was asking for donations he wanted the donation from a Montana billionaire uh to support his campaign and and put the money in his personal account. Now, and there's like receipts to back it up. Um but they're saying that they're they're opening an investigation on this. This could be a real criminal act, right? I mean, is this a nothing burger or is this something?
1: it, it isn't a nothing burger. I mean, it definitely has heat. Um based on the the facts that we know. And again, everybody is presumed innocent. Um, But in terms of the reporting that we know, if, in fact, you had a a donor say, I want to give you this amount of money, um, what entity do we send it to to be legit, right? Because it needs to be legit, whatever it is. And Walker says, oh, we'll we'll send it to to this LLC or, or this corporate entity. And they do. Yeah, that's a problem. I mean, that's more than a problem. I mean, that is, I mean it's clear what it is he took the money and run I he, mean he it's, did. Like, it's one of those things where you're like what in the world and you know I think that there was real questioning and real pushback from the donor who was like this doesn't make any sense right like right. why am I sending it to this entity like you can't even use it for political reasons and the only reason I'm giving it to you is is for political reasons so I think it, it's got it's it's got some fire The thing is, all of these things have heat. The question is if anybody's going to cook it up. I Mm -hmm. mean, because you do have to have a prosecutor um, who's willing uh, to take it up and and do something with it.
0: I mean, it just seems like some of these things, I feel like they just want to leak it to the Daily Beast because they're just like, this guy did me wrong and now I want to expose it. I mean, these things don't happen by accident when things land up in the press.
1: Well, right. There feels like there is a... Somebody from an insider, right? Uh, an insider from the Herschel Walker campaign that um, knows a lot and is making sure that that somebody knows about it and that somebody in particular would be the reporters um, with the Daily Beast.
0: Exactly, exactly. They're just like, ooh, <laughs> they're totally on the Herschel beat. Okay, um, a few weeks ago, there was this op-ed in the New York Times called... Uh Georgia's hot mess is headed your way by Michelle Cottle. And it's really, it's so interesting. I'm sure you read it and it's just all about how these crazy, extreme, hard right people are just infil infiltrating Georgia politics. Um, but this is a trend that's happening nationwide. What did you make of that?
1: So what was interesting is is specifically what she was talking about are these leadership committees. And how basically Kemp completely circumvented David Schaefer, the head of the Republican Party, because, um, you know, he was Team Trump. But Team Trump after Trump lost and Team Trump when Team Trump was for, you know, David Perdue. Right. Uh, but it goes back further than that, because they tried to pass the leadership committee thing. My the the. The January session of 2020, they tried to amend a bill on the last day of session. And I was like, heck to the no. And I'll tell you that the reason I was given, it really wasn't about Trump, but it was about David Schaefer and the whole idea that he was the head of the Republican Party and all of these people running or who held office um, did not trust him and did not trust that Schaefer was going to do the right thing in terms of actually using um, donations or, or political money um, to support them, you know, their races, incumbents. And um, so there has been major issues with Schaefer with other Republicans for a long time. And this leadership committee just happened to pass um At a time when they really could use it, especially in light of what Schaefer was doing to support um, Trump after he lost the election. So there's a there's a lot of there there, um, but it's kind of complicated and uh, it's kind of interesting.
0: Well, Candace Taylor, who we we remember from Guns, God and Babies. (laughs) Or or Fine Tail Booty, for those of you. That's right. Fine Tail Booty, which has been. sure to uh, google it um she uh is like the number one nut um and she says quote she's the only candidate bold enough to stand up to the luciferian cabal um after she only got three percent of the fr- primary vote but she's the new chairwoman of the first congressional district i mean so they're getting in there jen
1: well and i think that that is what that op-ed was trying to say which is you know, you've got this traditional party structure that has been used in the past, right, to to be kind of the, the way you can raise money, right? Because folks may not know this, but you can give unlimited funds to a political party. Um, and so that is how some of these big donors would give in the past, right? How the Koch brothers mm-hmm. or George Soros, right? Let's on both sides, right? Could give um just millions and millions of dollars, but they'd have they couldn't give it to an individual candidate, they'd have to give it to the party. And so the whole idea is is that the party is then supposed to use the money to support all Republican candidates, you know, or nominees. And the problem is, you know, people didn't trust Schaefer. And then now all of a sudden At even the local level, the people who are in control, because you have to run for these positions on each side, on the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, like for these different party positions. And so each county has their own Republican Party and Democratic Party. And there's each congressional district has their own chair. And it's one of those things. All of those people, though, are kind of part of the party leadership that control the money. So You know, you can't really blame Brian Kemp for not wanting to necessarily go through a David Schaefer um, or now Candace Taylor. Right. Um, Because they think babies. Yeah, because, you know, there really is kind of this split in the Republican Party and they may not say it out loud. But you can see it um, in terms of exactly how they are acting, right? Um, they're using the leadership committees to raise all the money and not the state party because they want to control it. Um, the all the you know constitutional officers, or at least almost all of them, are not going to the state convention, right? Like you have a political party who literally controls, you know, all of the constitutional offices. I mean, that's like huge, right? And and those republicans they're not even going to the republican state convention so that you know that that speaks that speaks a lot that tells you a lot of what's going on
0: yeah it's pretty crazy i mean that is crazy stuff okay there's one more more thing i want to talk about because um you know i'm obsessed with um blonde republicans and blonde powerful women um so i i had to bring up elizabeth holmes D- uh from Theranos did you happen to read the article about her in the new york times i did i mean <laughs> but look it's all about money <laughs> right So if you haven't read it and if you didn't watch The Dropout or her documentary on HBO, she basically bamboozled and got, you know, charged with four counts of fraud. And she's supposed to report to jail soon for 11 years. And this is why I say to Jen all the time, I want to go back to law school. I want to go to law, not back to law school, but because it is fascinating to me how this woman who crimed, she's a criminal, but she just—they keep avoiding sending her to jail, and they keep finding all these loopholes. How long do you think it'll take before she gets to jail?
1: I mean, she'll get there eventually. But I mean, it, it, this is interesting. This is <laughs> a lot of lawyers will tell you this. Anybody who's actually dealt with the criminal justice system, they're like, if you want to break a law, make sure you break federal laws and not state laws. Oh, because- good advice, listeners. <laughs> I mean, because federal prison is a lot nicer than state prison. And anybody who has ever been to Reedsville, Georgia State Prison, absolutely knows that. So, look, the federal system is usually deals much more. You know, usually you have the really big kind of drug folks, right? Um, International drug kingpins and all that. Okay. But, but you also have a bunch of just, Financial crimes, right? Wall Street, insider trading, all that kind of stuff, think Martha Stewart, right? So it's one of those things where they kind of get dealt with a lot differently than than people, you know, on the ground. And usually whether you're a drug kingpin or whether you're Elizabeth Holmes you got a lot of money to pay really good lawyers. And so, you know, they know how to work the system one way or the other. And so she's gonna stay out for a little while, but baby girl is going to have to serve her time.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, okay, so if you haven't read the article, it made a lot of waves. Like I, like literally my head was exploding from it because they make her, I mean, it's literally like just like a great PR campaign on how she's like helping domestic uh, rape survivors and she's domestic abuse and she's, you know, doing and she's a mom and she's like posing for a picture on the beach. And the, the article got a lot of controversy, but like I loved it and hated it. And read it three times. And then I thought, I want to watch a show with her in jail. I want to watch that. I'd watch that.
1: <laughs> and she still has to serve 11 years.
0: Uh, but because her partner, Sandy Balwani, has is already in jail. And, um, he, he, you know, but uh, I, anyway, I don't know why I'm obsessed. So obsessed with that story. Okay. What are we raving about this week? Do you have anything to rave about this week? You go first. Okay. I am going to rave about the Taylor Swift concert, which I went to with Jen. And it absolutely blew my mind. It, blew, it, it The hype was totally deserved. This is a woman who is a force. She is a power. And um, I especially loved... I mean, I loved it all, but like... Uh, along the lines of this podcast and some of the stuff we talk about, like being women in powerful positions, there's one of her songs called The Man. And it's just like talks about like all the things that how the standards of doing something as a woman and or being a man. And it's just her pure power is just it's unmatched right now. I feel I feel like Beyonce is looking at her show and being like, all right, I got to step up my game. Even Beyonce is like, damn. So Taylor Swift. That's what I'm uh, raving about this week. I'll go with that, too. It
1: was interesting for me because my daughter is a huge Taylor Swift fan, as is my husband. They are the true Swifties in the family. But um, for me, I've always enjoyed her music. But, you know, I'm more of a audible book NPR gal. So <laughs> Supreme um,
0: Court hearings. That's your right, that playlist. Right, listening to all
1: of the hits, <laughs> yes. right? It's amazing. Yes. But, um, it was but for somebody who does study communication and um and how powerful it can be in terms of you know your relationships with people she made every young woman in that building and every not so young woman right feel good and feel like they were her best friend for real right like every Young girl would say, Oh, yeah, if you know, if I went over to her house, we would be besties. Oh, they yeah. all felt that, yeah, <laughs> you did. I mean, you did, yeah, it, it, and that is like if you think about that, even like from a political place, right? Think about how many young women were in there or how many people she touches the ability to make people feel good about themselves, to feel empowered, um, and to feel good about her, too. Because her interactions with everybody in the audience were so kind. They were authentic. And she really would make herself vulnerable. And I think that vulnerability makes people think that, you know what, she's just like me, um, even though she's worth a a gazillion dollars (laughs) and uh, has a gazillion homes and all that kind of stuff. So that was what was interesting for me, seeing the effect of her on people um especially people I know I mean you were guy guy my daughter was guy guy everybody was guy guy and I was like Ooh, this isn't just about somebody who can sing well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, th- yeah. There's a lot more going on with her than just that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think um, I was with uh, my my dear pal Yvonne Monet, and the entire night we were like, "How could this be so good?" It was just, it was really a warm feeling. And in great job, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They did an awesome job, and it was a really great time. And and uh, we'll see if I feel this way about Beyonce. Beyonce, you know, you're on watch. <laughs> it's, the pressure's on. Well, and look, I would tell everybody who hasn't watched
1: it to watch the Taylor Swift documentary. Um, what is it? Miss Americana?
0: It is. You know, it's so it? funny. After the show, Jen, I rewatched it and... You know, she got so political in it and a big part of it is how she had it was act, like she put her, her brand and activism into voting out Marsha Blackburn. And I feel like, you know, it was you know, she I think his name was Bresden, the person that, that Marsha Blackburn ran against. And we all know from Tennessee that that was really a, that she couldn't even she couldn't move the needle in a in a political race but she tried.
1: Well, and look, there there are other ways to do it too. I mean, but I will say that it was I watched it with with Koki again because there have been multiple watches at this point. Um, and really Taylor Swift is almost, you know, they always talk about these different waves of feminism and Taylor Swift really is kind of kind of the modern, you know, version of the the you know, the modern feminism, right? Totally. Like my daughter, she said something like, you know, I like to watch sports or play sports and wear pink lipstick. Right. You know, for my daughter, that was like, oh, she's a queen, you know. Yeah. And yeah. and it's like seeing a woman who can own her power and be vulnerable and authentic. And be good at different things and like different things. And if you wanna be girly, right? And you wanna be feminine, that's great. If you don't and you're not feeling it, that's great, right? But it's okay just to be whoever you wanna be. And um, and that's pretty powerful for young women. And so yeah, I'm you know, I may not be a swifty in like the, you know, kind of the original sense, the OG sense, but I'm a Swifty in terms of what she's doing in the model um that she's serving for at least for my daughter and and to be quite frank for me too because it's you know it's nice to see to see her do so well
0: well and it's you know here you have a woman's blainer you know and it's just like it gives some of the things that she's done like uh, for you know, getting her master recordings taken away in a business dispute, and she's re-recording her album, so it's just like she's flipped it. Instead of like belly aching about it, it's like, oh, try me. And that's a right. lesson. Right, you're to, not gonna yeah, own me, right? Yeah, exactly, you're not gonna own me. So I do hope. Yeah, I do hope that at least in 2024 her political activism comes back. I mean, I, I, you know, re-watching that, I feel like she felt burned because like she wins everything and she couldn't win that one in tennis. See, but um, her voice is just so powerful, like you said, for young women, old women, you know, cranky women like like me and you. You know, we're just like, we love you.
1: So good. I know. I was like, my daughter was, She, I said something about, maybe I should have gotten your input on what I was going to wear. And then she looked at me up and down and said, yes, you, you really should have. <laughs> and I'm like, ugh. I love, I love raising this very strong young woman. who yes. <laughs> will give it back to me it's in good. the blink of an eye.
0: It's good. Well, strong women unite. Uh, like our producer Christina Langer, thanks for uh, putting this together. Uh, we will talk to you again next time. Thanks for listening. Listen, if you could just write a comment on the Apple or anywhere, or just share Vote Her podcast with other people. It really helps turn other people onto the show. And also, Jen, uh, before we go, thanks for the mention of Vote Her podcast when you were on... um On GPB. Yeah, on Political Rewind. It was funny because I just thought
1: Bill knew about it and didn't want me to talk about it ever. (laughs) Because, you know, it's another political podcast. And so he really was just flummoxed. He was like, I can't believe I, I don't know about this. Is this new? And I'm like, um... Uh, n- no, not at all.
0: <laughs> well, um, I got a couple of texts when, when you were on. I had no, you know, and so it was really great. Um, so, so again, uh, sharing the gospel really goes a long way. Uh, so thanks for that, Jen. Thanks for that, Bill Nygut. And we will talk to you next time.